0: Hey, it's Bartender Journey episode number 20. It's Vince here. Vano's phoning it in again. That's all right. I think that's fine. It's not really a problem. It's uh, tough for him to get over here every week. So we have uh, a phone call with Vano coming up. And then after that, we have an interview with my friend Andrew, who I met at the Manhattan Cocktail Classic he's from uh, California and he makes uh, all these, he's the guy I was talking about who makes the vermouths and he also makes some other uh, fortified wines and some other great products. So Vanna uh, and I interviewed him co- uh, a couple weeks ago and we're going to have that interview for you too. That was a lot of fun. First of all, because Andrew's a super nice guy and a fun guy to talk to. Uh, interesting and, and knowledgeable guy as well. But it was also a fun interview because we made some cocktails while we were talking to Andrew with his great products. So uh, we, we were mixing up some cocktails while talking to him. And that was a lot of fun and um, sampling them and enjoying them. So uh, that's coming up later in this show. And just one more piece of news. I decided I am going to go to Tales of the Cocktail in New Orleans in July. So that'll be uh, another exciting event. A lot of fun. I bet I'll meet a bunch of new interesting people, see some other people that I've met at other events like Andrew, I think, is going and uh, my friend Maggie who from Privateer Rum is going. And I bet I'll make some new friends, too, while I'm down there. When I booked the trip for Tales of the Cocktail, I really wanted to go to the seminar, How to Run a Successful Bar Business. And unfortunately, what I found out after I booked my plane ticket and my hotel and everything else was that that seminar it was sold out. So if anybody knows of a way to get me a ticket, to get me in, to uh, I'll buy it, whatever, you know, let me know. Please let me know. You know how to get a hold of me, right? Vince.bartender at gmail.com or on Twitter, barkeeptips. All right, here's my phone call with Vano that we recorded the other night. Vano.
1: What's going on, man? How you doing, bro? Uh, It's all good, brother. Beautiful, sunny day on a Sunday. Doesn't get better than that, man. Life is good.
0: Oh, it was a beautiful day, wasn't it?
1: Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Weather's nice. Not too hot. It's fucking perfect. Perfect. like a nice Johnny Black on the rocks, you know what I mean?
0: Nice. That sounds good. So I made up my mind, man. I'm going to Tales of the Cocktail, the event in, in New Orleans. I was sitting on the fence for a while trying to not spend all that money, but screw it. I'm going.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that sounds cool, man. You you rock out on all that stuff. It's just for me to get the time off. It's a pain in the ass.
0: You yeah, know. I know. Well, well I'm no, I'm lucky. True. I work for myself. You know, my 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 second job. I work for myself, and you know, I have a lot of flexibility. So it's it's cool.
1: And when you work for yourself, you have those uh, those bourbon uh, manhattans, which are delicious,
0: man. <laughs> wasn't <laughs> that wasn't that a great Manhattan?
1: Yeah, but listen, check this out, man. I called you, and I told you to check out. Um, the Joe Rogan uh, podcast because it just it freaks me out. I'm a big Joe Rogan fan, and yeah. um, and when you were like, you know, you're full fired up with this. Save it for the show. So I, I you said, you know, I told you I would call you in on a Sunday. But I, I, listeners know that my two favorite podcasts are Joe Rogan Experience and Church. What's happening now? Right. So Joe Rogan's experience had uh, show number three sixty three had everlast on. And I'm a big Everlast fan, big House Paint fan, big, you know, all of the solo stuff that he did. Huge fan. In fact, I'm probably, I might see him. He's going to be in Long Island, I think, in two weeks. I'm probably going to check that show out. All right. But anyway, I recommend everybody to listen to that show. Again, show number 363. And I recommend everyone to listen to the whole show. But there was a spot in the show Go into an hour and 36 minutes. Fast forward to that spot. And um, he talks about that he's, uh, It was early in his career. He was in a um, He was in a uh, club in Los Angeles, and it was really packed, and he had a lot of money on him. And he said the bartender was ignoring him, and blatantly ignoring him about five times. So he gets really pissed off. So what does he do? He takes out a stack of money. Hundred dollar bills, crumples them up, and starts throwing them at the bartender to get her attention. And finally, one of the crumpled hundred dollar bills hits the bartender, and she gets pissed off. She's like, This guy's throwing something at me. She bends down to pick it up and realizes that it's a hundred dollar bill, and he threw s- seven of them. So she just got seven. Hundred dollars, seven hundred dollars right. He that he was the king of the bar. Right. I heard this, brother man. I cannot tell you how it fucking just it blew me away. I went to my first job and I was just telling everybody everybody about it. I think it was the coolest fucking thing ever, man. But
0: because what was your impression, though? It's like, uh, I mean, me, I would feel bad. Like I'm, I'm, I. I'd rather get tipped for doing a good job, not a bad job. You know what I'm saying? Well,
1: you know, it's it, 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 it's true, absolutely, and that would never probably happen to you, you, you and I, because we're on top for a game, right? But what really impressed me about it, first of all, it's a it's a boss move, man. It's a, a yeah. straight up, it's a Rat Pack boss move, and that <laughs> a is rat so pack unbelievable move, right. because most people, when they wait, if they get set up, and they make a scene, and especially if you're a celebrity. He right. was like, fuck this shit. I got to get your attention. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just had to share it out. I, 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 mean, I mean, I had you listen to it.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I listened. It, it was amazing. blew
1: me away, man. And it, I hope that happens to me one day. Someone throws. It probably would never happen because I would never really do that. Right. You know. But it, well, you might get
0: $700 crazy. thrown at you for doing the right thing, not the wrong thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. I no, exactly. But it's just, you know what I mean? But he's throwing it at her. And you got to hear it to know what I'm talking about. So remember, yeah. an hour and thirty six minutes. Joe Rogan experience, show number three sixty three. It is outstanding. He's a phenomenal musician and a great story. So I just had to share that with the listeners. And uh also we had the, those questions from that guy,
0: Steve, on Twitter. Right. Great questions and um, very good questions. Hard questions. Do you want to go first or you want me to go? Well, the the easy one was the easy one for me was what do you do to get ready for the rush? So, what do you think about that?
1: You know, I thought long and hard about that, and I really think, um, you know, what's good and what's bad is that the rush. You, the only the only thing you could do with the rush is you got to experience it, mm-hmm. and you got to like make it a game. You got to anticipate, plan. Right. You got to like just what I think. What really works for me is you got to journal shit you got to rate every all your events, like when you first start out, especially like that in a journal, like what went well, what went bad, Mm. and build upon that for each time. Because then you're in competition with yourself. You know, like for me, one time, you know, I was working in a place where I had to walk to get glasses, and I lost seconds. So Mm -hmm. I started to arrange it where the glasses were near me. I can only fit a certain amount of glasses, but it saved a lot of time. I put six wine glasses here, six martini glasses, you know, rocks up here, and it saved a lot of time. And I and I just started building upon that. Then I would write down where I panicked, mm. where what got me nervous, and it would, it would either be guests that were demanding, that mm. I would get nervous, mm. that if the drink wasn't made the way they like it, they would make a scene. So I mm. would just kind of just you know deal with it and, and learn how to how to better that, you know, and and. The journal was great because I, when I got frustrated, I would just go back to the the early, you know, the the previous gigs and see how far I, I, I you know, really I came and improved. Well,
0: you you take so it to another journal. level. You take it to another level, man, where you're you're writing stuff down and and like trying to improve on yourself. That's that's pretty awesome. That's, well, because it's, it's
1: hard, you know, and the reason why because it nothing ever came easy to me, man. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just the way the way it is. Some cats, you know. They were able to. I always had a hustle, man. I mean, I'm, mean, you know, it's just the way I was brought up and on everything, man. So
0: I yeah, think- that's cool. Well, well, my answer to Steve was on Twitter was um, just prepare, like get ready for the rush. You know, prepare. I mean, th- there's nothing else you can do than prepare exactly. for the rush. Get ready. Get everything. Have more than you need. More, more than enough stuff that you need. And you know because once you're running out of stuff, that's where you get in trouble. Yep. Yeah. And and if and, you if you have and, everything you need within reach, you're gonna do fine. And there's only so fast you can move. You know, I mean, nobody expects you to move at the speed of light. Yeah. But and you
1: gotta do it. You gotta. You can't like, you can't learn about it. And you know what gets crazy, is that YouTube. There's so much, or just computer. Period. There's so much information. You gotta unplug sometimes. Even me. Yeah you get like information overload, like do it this way, do it that way. It's the same thing with bartending. Right. And in the rush, you just got to, you got to crash and burn, man. You got to get, you got to get scarred up.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. You got to get scarred up. You got to, you got to put your time in and, and do it. Yeah. Be prepared.
1: And like I said, you know, refer to a journal. I mean, cause then you see how you improve. Like I, you know, especially when you're dealing with like, um, Demanding people. If you mess up on the drink, you know, you get nervous, and I don't like the way you made it. So I started to, like, go out of my way to be nice to those people, where I would approach them first, the usual. And I just kind of, even though it was killing me inside, because <laughs> they were, like, so rude and obnoxious, but that's that's the game. We're in the, we're in the hospitality business. That's where, you know, you see what you're made of, you know, because it's the, the rise and fall of, you know, doing well, doing bad, doing well, doing bad. But, you know, just stick with it.
0: Right, right. Well, let's go on to Stephen's next question, which was how to deal with a regular who creates a scene, gets, um, what what was his, I forget the exact wording, but he I said...
1: It was basically someone who's a regular that creates a scene and who's just like just out of control. He gets and,
0: gets drunk, let's face it. Gets drunk and creates a scene. So what's well, your impression we, on that? When
1: we first started talking when we first started doing the shows, we kind of hinted that this was this was the probably the worst part about bartending. Right. Dealing with these types of people and I hate it. And I'm gonna like this is not really a popular popular answer, but I've been bartending long enough to know that I could tell the type of person just by the way they act. Right. And if they come to the bar and they're they're loud and obnoxious, you, honestly, I don't – people are not going to want to hear this, but I just I, – I, I don't pour – I kind of cut down on your booze, and I, and I really – I cut you off before you know you're cut off.
0: Yeah, because yeah, I, it's I, a weird thing because you don't want to – I mean, there's rules with the house, how much you're supposed to pour and – you should adhere to those rules and, but um, I, I know what you're saying. You know, you gotta, you gotta c- kind of slowly cut them off. And especially if it's an open bar situation, that's, that's very different because you, yeah, gotta, you know,
1: but it's, it's, you know, you're right. And, but you know, this is why this is real talk. It's the worst part of bartending is yeah. when you have to deal with that. And yeah. it's not fun. And a lot of people, once they experience that, they, I mean, it, it turns a lot of people off. Well, yes, well it is a l- Here, let's get a little uh, more
0: specific about uh, Stephen's question. He he says he's got this regular that comes in and is fine for a while and then gets drunk and creates a scene, you know. So my answer to that was I think management should be involved yeah. and and management should be dealing with this and management should talk to him before he sits at the bar and has his first drink and and say, hey, you know, we had this – problem with you last night and if this happens again we're not going to be able to serve you anymore yes absolutely Uh, so because
1: you know what happens too i mean i just pulled it up it says advice on handling the slam also handling the regular who creates the drunken outburst and i I said the same thing you said get management involved and also drinking is a privilege not a right right. you know period but and you know what also if you don't correct that people will copy that if they, if they say, if they see this guy's getting away with it, I'm going to mm. get away with that. You know, and it's oh, that's it's a good tough point. because that guy could be cool, and then he starts drinking, and he becomes out of control, and it's it's a tough thing. And you got to push the panic button sometimes, and I've done it many times. If I get a bad feeling, man, about you, and if you start, like, you know, like little telltale signs, like if you slam the glass on the fucking bar, right. and you just then drink, and... It's just like, it's like, you know, I'm preventing a situation, you know?
0: Yeah, well, I, I told yeah. him, I said, I said follow your instincts, you know? And if you go with your instincts, anytime I've gone against my instincts, I've always been sorry. You know what I mean? So if my instinct is to cut this guy off, you got to go with that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's the worst part. I mean, it's not fun. And, you yeah. know, as a bartender, you're trying to do your job, and it's scary. If you have no one backing you up, you got to just stick to your guns, and you know? And thank God it hasn't happened a lot to me. But Well, I think it's because we're good. You know I mean... <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Well, that's enough negativity. Let's go back to something positive, and we have to leave some time for our interview with Andrew.
1: On the positive thing, the rush. Embrace the rush. Let's focus on that because that's at a whole other level. Mm-hmm. The question was, and we covered it, embrace it, have fun when, you're, when it's slammed, when you're in the weeds, when it's packed. Those are the best moments, and just and just that's the only way
0: to handle it. Yeah, the, those are the best moments. It's so much fun. I I love it. You know, when 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 we're busy like that, it's it's the best thing ever. I, I love it. You know, well, when, I, when I'm pouring drinks with four hands, you know, I'm <laughs> making four drinks at once. It's so much fun.
1: Absolutely. Oh, yeah, there's something I uh, there's a thing I tweeted. It's a new movie that's coming out. I think it's like an independent film. It's called Hey Bartender.
0: Yeah, yeah, I heard
1: something about that. It's pretty cool, man. You see, it's just like bartending is really I'm like we talked about I mean we're we've been doing this for a while, but it's really, you know, with bar rescue and everything, it's really resurfacing and it's it's
0: All right, we gotta go. We got that interview with Andrew still to fit into this show. So let's say goodbye. Goodbye. All right, man. Tip the bartender. Cool. All right, let's talk to Andrew
2: next. Andrew. Yep. It's Vince here. Hey, Vince, I'm listening to you uh, in this last week's thing here. Let me turn that off. Here we go. All right. My first experience on, on Skype. No, I got to take that back. I called Laurel about 15 minutes ago. All right. That was my first experience. So. And I was listening to what the, you had to say about VIA. Thank you for that. For the Yes, the, and uh,
0: please correct my pronunciation. Please go no, ahead. You
2: got, the, you got it just right. VIA. I think that's what you said.
0: Oh, oh I did. Okay. Yeah. Good, good. Well, uh, we have some right here. We had, well, first of all, let me tell the people listening where I met Andrew at the Manhattan Cocktail Classic, and we had so much fun hanging out and uh, having a few cocktails and uh, just talking. So, uh, all right, wasn't that a great time, Andrew?
2: Yes, it was. It was really a pleasure to meet you because you were the perfect uh, guinea pig, actually, for, for uh, get <laughs> someone to turn on to vermouth, you know, a uh, professional in the, uh, in the beverage industry who uh, had not yet Experienced uh, what what a really nice vermouth can be like. So that's so great. true. So thank you for participating.
0: Well, we we talked about it briefly last week, but um, the vermouth anywhere you go, it sits, it sits out for forever. It sits in the well, not refrigerated as it should be. And it's, and it's terrible. You know, I mean, it probably wasn't good vermouth to begin with and then it sits out forever and then it goes bad. Right.
2: That's right. It goes from bad to worse. I mean, the reason it sits out is because people don't want to put in the drink, even when it's fresh. See? Right. And then it just gets worse sitting out because no one in the vermouth business tells the customers how to take care of it. That's right. uh, there are some brands of vermouth though that will, Pretty much, uh, pretty much bulletproof. Uh, they can, they uh, will last a long time in the well, but uh, still, you might not want to put them in your drink.
0: Yeah, well, I think, is that how the dry martini came to be and dry everything else, dry Manhattan? Because- you know,
2: I, I, my theory about the dry martini and a lot of the, the dry martini especially is that people just really regarded vermouth as a dilutant, see, Mm-hmm. In other yeah. words, if you if you have vermouth in your drink, that means you're going to get less gin. Right. And gin is what you're paying for, right? I, as, that's, so, I think that's the attitude that people had, especially coming out of prohibition. Right. They were uh, right. you, they were just conditioned to think of alcohol as something you just buy. You know, it's probably not going to be good. So vermouth would be uh, a little bit more problematic because it has more more than can go wrong with vermouth than let's say a bottle of gin.
0: And wh- and why is that? It's
2: um, well I mean, because it's a it's more of an artisanal product. Vermouth is a wine. Every vermouth maker is, is There's more differentiation, I think, between different vermouths, even in Europe, than there is between, let's say, gins. Mm-hmm. Especially back in the, let's say, go back to the 40s or 50s, when all gins tasted like juniper, right? And They didn't have these modern gins with all these other flavors. So uh, every gin was more or less a juniper infusion of some kind. Mm-hmm. But vermouths were different. The French dry vermouth, way way different from the Italian dry vermouth, and the two French companies—the one in uh, Arsay and the one up in the Servois, d'Or—the main French companies. Those, their vermouths were really different too.
0: Cool. Well, Vano hasn't tried this. I've, since that day I met you, I've had uh, several of your lovely Manhattans. The one, the first one you made me, and then you gave you were so generous and gave me these bottles to bring home. So I've, uh, I've had several of these Manhattans, but I need to make Vano one so he can taste it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Well yeah, Manhattan is uh, you know, it's a it's a pretty pretty cool little cocktail because the sweetness of the of the vermouth, if it's a sweet vermouth and the sweetness in the uh sort of the whiskey has a sweetness, is balanced by bitters. And once you get all these components going, um it makes it's great. They're wonderful. So and I'm using yeah I'm, it, I'm, I'm
0: I'm actually Most- using a bourbon here. It's a uh, it's a real nice bourbon. I didn't have a good rye on hand. I forget what, what whiskey you used uh, when you made me the.
2: We were uh-huh. using Old Overholt, and okay. we also had some High West there.
0: All right. Well, this is this is a real nice bourbon. It's called Eagle Rare, single mm-hmm. barrel. It's real nice, and it goes. I think it goes perfectly with your Vermouth. So we've got a. Uh, you you like to do about half and half? I I do uh I do about two thirds uh, whiskey to one third vermouth here, and I'm gonna put in some of our orange bitters. Oh wow! Oh yeah! Thirsty Vano. Yes sir. <laughs> it's uh, three hours earlier. Thirsty or,
2: right now here, even though it's only 11 in the morning in California. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was about to say we, we've we've got probably uh, hold
2: off for a little while. We're
0: we're three hours ahead of you here, so. Uh,
2: we're ready. This is a liquid lunch. So are you putting in the, uh, the Reagan orange bitters? I, I don't
0: – I wasn't able to find that. I have... So, Vince,
2: would you mind if I tell your listeners how I make my Manhattan? Please. Okay. So I have just discovered, actually it was, it was in the last month or so, that the original Manhattan that was made in, at the Manhattan Club in New York was made with a proportions of 50% sweet vermouth and 50% whiskey. Right a fairly generous uh, allotment of, of a kind of bitters, which they say uh, nowadays is best approximated by the Reagan's number six orange bitters. Okay. I put in, uh, for a three-ounce Manhattan, I put in four big shakes uh, or dashes of bitters, and then uh, mix it on, on the rocks until it's nice and cold, and strain it into your, into your cocktail glass and serve it up. And uh, so... Um, of course this has nothing to do with the fact that it does increase the usage of vermouth if you make them that way but I'm <laughs> i think I'm you're really being ironic there. to introduce people to this formula because it makes a pretty awesome Manhattan too.
0: Yeah, well we're going to try one right now. All right. Cheers, Vito. Cheers. Salute. Salute. Isn't that good? Delicious. Oh man, wow. it's so good. <laughs> Holy cow. I really didn't drink a lot of uh, Manhattan's before this, but now I'm I'm in love with them, or this this particular one anyway.
2: You know, and you know they're going to be different whether you go with a rye. You can have a lot of variations, particularly the way you're making them with a high proportion of whiskey in there. You'll taste the whiskey, uh, the the character of the whiskey will come through pretty good, and um, so you can experiment with ryes, different kinds of bourbons. A lot of people love. Bourbon Manhattan's probably the um, one of those major bourbons down there. Buffalo Trace or uh...
0: Buffalo Trace is, a, is a, one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, it's that's that's good stuff. Oh, Bullet is another one. Yeah, that's that's extremely popular these days. The
2: one I was trying to think of has a like a red wax top. Oh, Maker's Mark. Yeah, Maker's. Yeah. People always talk about Makers Manhattans. When I first got going in the Vermouth business, and this was back in 99, Makers was doing a Manhattan competition. Mm. One of the bartenders in San Francisco entered uh, a Manhattan made with the suite, our sweet buy, and they won the competition in, in San Francisco, so we were very oh, nice. excited when that happened. But Makers is a pretty sweet one. Yeah. It well, was my choice of, among different kinds of whiskeys to put in
0: well there's so many now and and there's so many good well, ones but they, they kind of paved the way i think for uh for, bur- for bourbons to make its resurgence i think it seems
2: there's so many so many I cool new interesting did. projects they're so there. popular yeah yeah and you really know what is coming back i don't know if this you're seeing this at your bar but i am seeing a lot of interest now in irish whiskeys especially jameson's I've had yeah, people it's... asking me if they can make their Manhattans with Irish whiskeys. Sure, I don't not? even know if there's a name for that drink. Uh, well, uh, if cool. you make it with Scotch, that's a Rob Roy. Right, right, right. That can be really good, but I would think you could make it with Irish. It's well, just sort. We,
0: of, we should do that. The uh, the Irish Manhattan. There's plenty of Irish in Manhattan, so why not? <laughs> makes there sense. you go. Yeah,
3: <laughs> Andrew, how uh, this is Vano, sir? What's got you started in creating your own vermouth?
2: Oh wow! Well, I had been in the wine business since pretty seriously with my own winery since uh, the early 80s and uh, specialized in, in dessert wines, fortified wines. And vermouth is a fortified wine. Uh-huh. When I was at UC Davis and uh, I was two years there and, and I got my master's from there in food science and winemaking. one of my professors had been to Italy and spent a bunch of time there and he le- lectured about the Italian wine business. And then he also devoted a whole lecture to vermouth, which was pretty cool. I just started in, and it took, a, took me a couple of years to, to come up with a vermouth. But what got me into it was a restaurant owner in San Francisco, a guy that, in those days, he owned about five restaurants, and now he's got, like, 20. But there, he's, in the, he's a big restaurant guy. Known him a long time, and he uh, was wondering why people didn't want vermouth in their cocktails. Mm and, and speculating that maybe it was because it was the, if the vermouth was different, it tasted better actually, people actually, if vermouth was actually something that people enjoyed to drink by itself, then maybe they would want to put it in their cocktails. Right. So it'd be sure. like a little kind of a whole revolutionary idea about vermouth. Wow, make it so that you'll like to drink it by itself. And that's what I did. I decided to try to do that and make it not just drinkable, but make it interesting. Yeah, well, way. you
0: see it with, there's a lot of fortified wine, Madeira and Port and all these things, and people do drink that on their own, but to drink vermouth on its own is just not something that's normally done for some reason.
2: Yeah, that's right. It's it's a custom thing in this country, and uh, it's associated with the fact that people don't have a high regard for vermouth, bartenders especially, it, I think, with disdain, you know, sort of like, oh, do you really want vermouth in your martini? And You know, yes. we make them dry here, and know, things like that. So that's very common attitude. So in southern Europe, Spain, France, Italy, uh, sometimes you get the impression when you're there and you go to cafes or it's about five o'clock that every adult is drinking vermouth. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I I went to a bar in uh, Barcelona one time A friend of mine, who and they, this particular place, uh, this is a Spanish tradition that goes way back. But they have vermouth on tap.
3: What? Wow! (laughs) Yeah,
2: and uh, sweet vermouth is served is on tap, and they put it into a tall glass on ice cubes and add a little soda water on top. Mm. And we even have a new account in Washington D.C. that is going to be doing that. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, they've. uh, It's a place that has a Spanish theme to it. And the owner of the place has said his his favorite restaurant is some some bar in Madrid. His favorite bar is a place in Madrid where they do that. So he wants to do the same thing. So we're going to be uh, putting vaya sweet Baya, on tap here at our next bottling. That's uh,
0: that's interesting, and I think that's a growing thing, even with regulars, you know, regular still wine. Um, I saw it in um, in Vegas recently. There's uh, Gordon Ramsay has a really cool bar in uh, a bar and grill there in one of the hotels. And uh, it, they had like, I'd say 20 wines on tap. And I was talking to the bartender about it. And he said, yeah, it's great because they they stay fresh forever. And they're, you know, they're pressurized, I guess, with um, gas and they and they stay a long time. And it actually, you know, keeps the price of the wine down because you're not going through all those bottles and throwing a lot of it away if, if something doesn't sell. So I, I think that's a that, that's a growing um,
2: trend, I would say. The weight saving is really significant and the labor saving for the bar if they're going through a fair amount of the product.
0: That's true, yeah. So if you it, well, from your point of view, when you're bottling this stuff, I mean, you, you can obviously wholesale it for uh, a lower price if you don't have to put, a, mm-hmm. if you don't have to That's bottle, right. do all those
2: bottles. A fairly high proportion of the cost is uh, is in the packaging itself. And so when you uh, you save that, then uh, everything comes down. You know, keeping the same margins, uh, yeah. the savings get multiplied through the whole uh, distribution chain. Right. By the time the customer gets it, uh, it could be, you'd be surprised. We yeah. figured it be, yeah. it might save this bar several dollars a bottle.
0: Yeah, that's great. I always find uh, winemaking so interesting, and now and the, now these small spirit companies are popping up all over the way, all over the place. And I, I really find the people are so passionate about it. They're almost like musicians, or or they are very similar the to artists. chefs, artists. You know, and they're they're so passionate about their product. And I think it's
2: awesome. It is awesome. And uh, it's really changing the uh, the outlook of the whole drinking world. And I don't know which came first, uh, the idea of uh, certain generations, I guess the millennials especially, to want to devote more attention to cocktails mm-hmm. or whether it was the guys that wanted to make better cocktails.
0: Yeah, some, I don't know.
2: This thing got going and it's seems like it's a pretty good trend right now.
0: Well, I think you're perfectly positioned with, you know, you've been in this business a long time and now now, you've, and now it's, I think it's going to start paying off for you because it's an awesome product and uh, people are going to be looking for something like this.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Vince. And you are helping to spread the word right here for, for Via Vermouth. We're trying. We're trying. So let's, should we talk about some other kinds of drinks you can make with vermouth that are sort of fun? Sure. One that I remember is called the Chrysanthemum mm. cocktail. Okay. And it's got Benedictine in there. Pretty neat, yeah. There's a uh, the one called the Adonis that has sherry mm. and dry vermouth. Wow. I am um, I think right now I'm most really excited about this idea of just having the sweet vermouth on the rocks with a splash of soda. That's That, is, that has a lot of potential. You know, you get the price of it down to the point where it's uh, like cheaper than a gin and tonic, you see. Right. And it becomes... Uh, it isn't something that has to be in a fancy bar now. It can be in a lot of places that aren't so fancy.
0: Right, right. Well, you made me a very interesting drink at the Manhattan Cocktail Classic, which was a margarita made with your Essentia. Am I saying that correctly?
2: Yes, right.
0: So I was going to make that. I was going to make one of those for Vano. So we're going to oh. give me one second to rinse my shaker out here so I can make another, okay. another round of drinks I, for us. <laughs> and I'll
2: talk, I'll talk a little bit about what Essentia is. And you, I guess you remember how we made the drink, or you've got the little book there or something. But yeah, I remember Asensia, I remember. I'm, Asensia I'm, is one of our fortified muscat dessert wines that we first uh, introduced back in 1980. And it's made from a grape variety called the orange muscat. There's no oranges in there, but the grape variety imparts a little bit of an orangey taste to the wine. Uh, it makes, amazingly enough, a really, really great margarita. You more or less substitute it for the triple sec.
3: Andrew, this is this is Vano. Uh, Vince is cleaning out the uh, his shaker. But I got to tell you, I've never looked at vermouth like this. And I'm learning so much just by this this, this interview. That all I, as a bartender, I looked at vermouth where, you know, you, you put a little dash in a martini or a Manhattan. And he, I just have, I'm like blown away with this insight of vermouth. So I, I thank you for that. Well, maybe
2: we'll start a little re- vermouth revolution here. Well, I think you're leading That's the you charge, sir.
0: Yeah. Well, um... Well maybe we should have Venno try some of your some of your uh, dry hey, how's burgers. the how's the essencia margarita going? Very good. Well I have a nice silver tequila here, which I'm mixing with your essencia. Alright, I'm gonna be making a lot of noise here while I make the uh, the margarita. So we got we've got a nice um, I'm totally off mic now, but I've got a nice uh, agave silver tequila here. Let me do a little of that. I got some fresh lime juice over here. I'm gonna throw a fresh uh, couple of fresh limes in the shaker just for good luck. Nice. I always do that. And then um, I'm adding. I made. I made a little um, honey syrup too. I'm gonna add a dash of that. That'd be good. And the last ingredient, of course, is. Where did I put it? <laughs> what did I do with that? Oh here. All right. So Essentia. We're gonna use this instead of triple sec, batter.
3: Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That's interesting. Yeah, interesting, right? You can replace that as well for the uh, Cosmo, huh?
0: Yeah, you know, as I smell this bottle, that's exactly what came to mind. That would be great in a Cosmo for those oh, who wow. enjoy the cut, Co- does Doesn't that doesn't that smell perfect for a for a Cosmo?
2: Oh, you are thinking of putting Sensi in a Cosmo now?
0: Instead of the triple sec, just like a margarita. I don't what's in a,
2: I thought a Cosmo was cranberry juice.
0: Cranberry juice, vodka, triple sec, and lime juice.
2: Ah, oh, okay.
0: Huh. So, uh, yeah, you might want to try that out and maybe add it on your website. Yeah. <laughs> who, uh, who makes up these cocktails on your website? Do you do it yourself or you have somebody? You work with Well, a the margarita,
2: the, the margarita has an interesting story. It was created by a bartender in Seattle for a restaurant there called Barrio. And they have two, it's a, it's a high-end Mexican place, uh, two locations. Uh, they actually got a, awarded the best margarita in Seattle with that drink. Wow.
3: All
0: right, we're almost ready here. Cheers. Cheers! Mm. <laughs> delicious. That's good, right? That's really good. <laughs> fresh. Yeah, because it's fresh. Really? Lime. It's nice, fresh lime juice. And they, there's nothing
2: ooh. like fresh lime juice, huh?
0: I'll tell you what, fresh lime juice makes such a difference compared to the bottled oh my stuff. Goodness. And this is so nice. The
3: smell alone, I mean.
0: I almost want to put a little more essential in it.
3: Mmm. delicious.
0: That's, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just shake up a little
3: more essential in it.
2: Is it, it could be a little sweeter or you just want the flavor?
0: It's, I I just like to taste a little more of that that orange with it. I don't know, I think, especially since
2: we're here talking about
3: Andrew, How long does it take you to make a, like when you have a a specific brand, like the thought process, the timeline to have the bottle ready for the consumers?
2: Oh, it takes a while. Um, Uh, I would think. You've got the packaging too, which is always a big problem. But nobody can ever agree on what the best label and stuff. Well, yours in are, this yours case, are really in this case, nice. I was come up with a name for the product, you know. And somebody had to decide on what the look of the bottle should be and all that.
0: Why, why don't you tell everybody the uh, websites where they can they can get more information about this and um, take um, a look at go the.
2: Go to on the Vermouth via vya.com.
0: That was a little hard to hear. I'm just going to repeat it vya.com.
2: Right, via.com. There's also a blog, uh, Vermouth You Asked.
0: Oh, I didn't know about that one.
2: And Quaddy, uh, QuaddyWinery.com. Is where you'll find information on Ascension and, and the other wines that we make. Cool.
0: Well, this is great, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, like I said, we had so much fun. We must have hung out for what over an hour, hour and a half that day. And uh, yeah, it was, it was really fun. It
2: was awesome. Then you know what? It was. It was. There were always people there to talk to, but it wasn't so busy that you didn't have a chance to, uh, to visit with someone.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was cool. It, you should have seen this. it was in this hotel, and then had these giant picture windows, looked over the New York Public Library right across the street. It was such a cool wow. room, and this, uh, it was so fun.
2: So, Vince, I don't know if we have any time left, but we got into the subject of the high-alcohol cocktails, and I sort of blamed it on Prohibition mm-hmm. and the idea that people just wanted more. They wanted more alcohol because they felt they were getting gypped if you had a vermouth. See, right. they felt that was the reason. They, I think people actually felt that was the reason for it, to make weaker drinks. Right. But these guys that are now cocktail historians, and David Wondridge is one, and he has a blog on this, and he's written some books, have really pointed the way towards going back to these old recipes because they made drinks that taste better. And it's hard for people to get their um, mind around the idea that if you make a martini, for example, with a higher proportion of gin, it can actually taste better than one with a lower proportion, um, but or, that's a higher proportion of uh, vermouth. I think you might yeah decide. higher proportion. So we actually, at our home, we actually are making our martinis with half vermouth wow. of the wow. extra dry, yeah. and and we love them. I think there, it would take it, I
0: think it would take people a long time to uh, get used to that because it's been the the way of the world for you know my lifetime at least that you know. You, I remember watching. I'll never forget it. Watching Gilligan at Island when I was a kid, and Mister How was making a martini, and he he had a spray bottle with the vermouth. And he there did, you go. And he took and he took he he poured you know he filled his martini glass with gin, and then he sprayed the vermouth into the air, and he waved the glass through <laughs> the wow. through the through the aerated vermouth, you know, and, and that's how Mister how liked his drinks, and you know I must have been. I don't know, nine years old or wow. I don't know what at the time when I was watching and I was like, you know, but I think my my course was set at that moment when I said, Wow, Mr. Howells, he's bad <laughs> he's badass, you know. So <laughs> and then, That's great. And look at me now, I'm a bartender. <laughs>
2: I guess I could I could can the Via in in spray bottles and people could use it to put <laughs> in there. That's something.
0: That, it's not something to laugh at. You know, these canned cocktails or these pre-made cocktails is, is another growing trend. For the, they're used in um, stadiums a lot and uh, and even in some bars now are start. You, you read about it in the trade magazines that that seems to be a coming thing. I don't know if it's good or bad, but it just seems to be something that's on its way and can't be avoided.
2: People are actually starting to buy our. Our vermouth to put into pre-made cocktails. Yeah, the yeah. Distillery's doing that
0: now. Wow. That, yeah. Hey, whatever, wherever you can sell it, right? Nothing wrong with that. I mean, my personal
2: taste is that the fresh are so much better.
0: Well, these these two drinks we just had now are awesome, right? I mean, that's better Delicious. than anything you'd get in a can for sure. But anything you'd get in normal. This Norman last
3: li- one was amazing. Excellent, right? Just the smell of it and the taste.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing. And I, I love the idea of using something different instead of triple sec, which is Can I triple?: sec, one? Of course, <laughs> <laughs> there's a little left in the. There's a little left in here. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> Mine's empty too. All right. Well, we're uh, we're out of time here, but thank you so much for coming on. Thank, I enjoyed our conversation today and uh, in Manhattan that day so much.
2: Well, let's keep in touch, Vince. And if you uh, ever want to do another one of these.
1: Yeah, you know, We can do
2: it. But, but thank you for making the time for, for Via and for me.
0: Oh, my, our pleasure,
2: Had our a pleasure. Great, uh, you, I think you have a really nice show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm going to go back and listen to some of those other podcasts. There. Yeah,
0: well, there are, uh, there's lots of them now. So, uh, yeah, we're talking more now about the specific ingredients, which is kind of cool. And, uh, yeah, we have a great time doing it, and I think we're giving people good information and uh, spreading the word on great new products. So Beautiful. Great. Thanks so much, Andrew. And we'll be, You're we'll, welcome. We'll be in touch, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, that's going to do it for this week. That was great talking with Andrew. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on Bartender Journey. Cheers.